Let me ask you something. Do you ever sit around trying to come up with a new idea? I mean, maybe you're trying to write a book or a song or create a new artwork. Hell, maybe even a podcast. And how hard is it for you to get the idea out? Or if any, while you're sitting there focused? Most of the time, ideas do not come from sitting around at your desk, but rather when you're experiencing life and you're out soaking up the world. Say you find an idea. Well, now how do you execute it? How do you know if that idea is crap? These are just a few things standing in the way of your next project. So I have a little bit of advice for you and for myself. Just take all these ideas and throw them at the wall. Throw them at the wall and see if they stick. Maybe pick some of them back up, examine them, and try to figure out why they didn't stick and how you can make them even more sticky for the next throw. Because what's most important is that you just keep throwing. I'm Jacob Johnson. This is the Myers Row Podcast, episode 14. Somnat. Right after the break. This episode is brought to you by the Beautiful Bazaar Art Prize. If you are an artist, now is the time to enter the contest and showcase your work on their international platform and have a chance to win $50,000 in prize money. You have until midnight on July 17th, LA time, to enter the contest. To enter and find all the information, go to beautifulbazaarartprize.art. If you enjoy the podcast and want even more content while supporting us, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Real and sign up today for only $3 a month. That's less than one cent a day. Thank you for your support and enjoy the episode. Say hello to Somnath Pal. My name is Somnath Pal. Uh, I'm from Mumbai, India. And um, I work in the visual arts in various capacities. I work as an art director for uh, a VFX studio based out of India. I also do my own uh, uh, like illustrations, artworks, personal artworks. Uh, I sometimes write as well. So I'm also uh, collaborating with a, a few film directors and I'm writing screenplays for them. Uh, and if I get some time, I try to work on my short animation, which is what I love doing. But animation is super hard, so I have to uh, juggle around a bit. As you can tell, he has quite a number of skills and interests, but it wasn't always that way. So let's go back to the beginning. Somnath's father had him at a much later age in life and was an artist himself. I was born in Lucknow, which is in the northern part of India, uh, to a very lower middle class sort of a family. My father was a sculptor, but he uh, used to work with of GSI, which is um, Geological Survey of India. Uh, It's a government body, which kind of, um, like, there is archaeology, there is geology. So they, like, they used to look for fossils and they would find fossils and the paleontologists would gather them together. And then dad came into the picture where he would sculpt life-size models of dinosaurs or, you know, whatever fossils were found. On top of being born in a lower middle class family, Somnath was also living in a more violent, crime-ridden area. If I consider my upbringing from from a child, I grew up in a very uh, patriarchal sort of a society. And uh, there were bullies all around. I was never a bully sort of a guy. And the part that I said, Lucknow, it it belongs to, to this region called UP. And around that time, it was infamous for a lot of, you know, decoits and I don't know, I mean, uh, yeah, goons and all of that. 
in some ways uh, like the mafia in the west say in new york a, a lot of because a few goons a prominent few prominent goons were coming out of that region uh, up was infamous up and bihar were the two states who were sort of infamous in that way in indian country sort of context i love the place that i was uh, brought up i i love the culture of lucknow lucknow has a, a different shade to it as well uh, but yeah this was also this aspect and uh, people are generally a little aggressive the way they talk the way they you know it has a flavor of that like i have seen violence and i have seen violence in a very people have been they have been okay about it you understand it's such a scarring idea itself you know uh but i have seen that happen in my surroundings growing up in this rough environment and uh dealing with not having as much money growing up did you feel that when you were a kid or or was it not until looking back later that you kind of realized the situation uh it was definitely there um so i fortunately back then at least the the place where i went to study was the education was still affordable even for my father but like i could see the difference uh, i i i knew that you know from from my early school days i never had the finest stuff uh, when things got torn i had to stitch them and 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 carry on with it i did not really have the liberty to throw my shirt away and get a new shirt you know that sort of a thing i really had like i had tv privileges uh television privileges but i had a small black and white 14 inch television uh and that was because my father was forced to buy it he never wanted to buy it but he was forced to buy it because there was a very popular show in india back then called ramayana it's an ancient mythology mythological sort of rendition of uh, uh like a show uh and i used to run to my neighbor's house to see that and he was a little ashamed of it so he finally got a television just because of that and even when my education was concerned a lot of times he was not in a position to afford it but the good thing about my father was that he he would find a substitute which was still entertaining like when i was in my 7th 6th or 7th standard people were getting into the habit of reading like you know uh, what do you call hardy boys and all of those like all the cool guys in the in, in my school were already reading and discussing and i i used to feel a little left out and i i used to chase my mom but those things uh, even for our standard were damn expensive like they were i i don't know they were like a dollar and a half back then you know uh, and even that dollar and a half back then was around 50 60 bucks you know it it it's a like there are more important needs to be taken care of that was not on the priority list i used to figure out you know um i would do stuff for people in exchange for uh money i i never told this to my parents uh, because they would have never approved of it but i was like okay i will i will draw a sketch for you but uh, you you got to get me and it was not always money but it was like you know you'll have to get me that you know that sort of a thing So that is how I I kind of found my ways and what was your relationship to the art while growing up up until like even when I was in my engineering I used to draw but it was more of that idea of you know attracting attention I 
I could never, honestly, I could never think of, like it never crossed my mind that I could make a career out of it. Honestly, my parents weren't even aware of the fact that like there is this college in NID, uh, which is the, which is an institute where you go for a bachelor's course in animation. Like uh, they, they would have, I, I'm sure if they knew about it, they would have definitely sent me there. And I kind of, because I was always in that, you know, engineering route, I have to, and I used to get good grades in school. So you kind of make friends with people who have similar interests. And I ended up making that and all of them appeared for engineering and all of them got into like all the premier institutes in India, like the IITs and everything. And while his dad was an artist himself, he knew the struggle he had to deal with and he didn't want that life of an artist for his son. Dad never really wanted me to be an artist. Like, he never discouraged me. Uh, but he saw that he struggled a lot. So, um, I was encouraged to pursue something which is... And you have to understand, this is India of the 90s. India was... Um, allowing uh, foreign investors to come and open plants in India. And, you know, it was booming that way. So a thriving culture for the IT industry and uh, uh, engineering in various capacities was something which was building up. So he decided to go to engineering school in the hopes of having a more stable career. But turns out he didn't enjoy it at all. Once he told his family he hated his job and wanted to go back to school for art, it didn't go over so well. I ended up um, becoming an engineer. I graduated in 2007 as an electrical engineer. But sadly, I, I, I didn't enjoy it much. Uh, and I, I upset my parents when I said that, you know, I empathize from their point of view because they did not have the means to kind of fund another education. So when I, I took that decision, I had to like, really, like I upset a few people. Some not wanted something else in life. And he had already tried the safe route and he knew he couldn't live his whole life in this job he hated. So looking back, he had always noticed that in school and anytime they had an art project or a part of a project that involved some form of art, he was the one in charge and making it happen. Luckily, a friend noticed this side of him and suggested he go to this two-year animation course he had heard about. And uh, I, took, I then took a two-year animation program in um, IDC, which is based out of Bombay. The course was fun, but, uh, but it was challenging in the sense that Many of my um, co-mates, as in uh, as in mates, as in uh, the 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 course that we were pursuing, uh, they were from, in some way, the art background itself. Either they had done some sort of fine art. I think apart from me, uh, just a couple of other guys were from non-art uh, backgrounds. So. I struggled to kind of cope up with the course, cope with the course, sorry. When applying for the course, Somnat realized he was very underprepared, but he knew this was something he wanted and he wasn't afraid to put all the work in and throw everything he had at that wall until something stuck. See, the thing is that all my sketches were the back pages of my notebooks. They were not artistic pieces which have been framed or compiled or, uh, you know, 
kept for archiving and this is where the engineering bit comes into play i have to get into a course i need to understand and do my research well so i called up people uh where i wanted to take up the course uh when they didn't answer i was audacious enough to call the faculty eventually a faculty you know and she's one of the the dearest dearest uh people in my lives i thank her every day uh for um, just being patient with me and and nurturing me as an artist uh, she was my first mentor shilpa ranade she's a brilliant filmmaker so she called me and she asked me to get anything that i had drawn and she said you know i don't think you know if you show it like this it it won't work uh in the interview i hadn't even heard of the term portfolio till then so when she said get your portfolio i didn't even know what to do i so i took all those dirty sketches and i took it and she said no you know this is how you need to present yourself we are looking for storytellers we want people who have a knack in storytelling so we want to see whether you have an interest in storytelling this was two or three months before the interview and so after hearing that advice kind of what did you do what was your uh what was the ways that you got your portfolio prepared uh so that you could actually get into the course so this became my routine I used to leave my office at seven, and by the time I would reach home, uh, it was already nine. So this is what I did, and I'm not advocating it, but this is how desperate I got after that suggestion. I took the breaks. So uh, when I was in the bus traveling from the office, I would write it in my notebook because in a bus you can't really sketch because there's the bus moves a lot and all of that it's difficult to sketch and i i started skipping lunch because lunch was 1 hour long so i would generally go grab something quick in like 5 minutes or 10 minutes i would grab that and i would spend 55 minutes google artists and you know things like that and i would draw from them this was a routine for about 2 months so when i finally finished like the portfolio i had one people call it a comic book sort of a thing or a graphic novel like a 22 page sequential art story which was terribly made i i threw it i burnt it i i don't know where it is uh, i was i was very embarrassed about it but anyway um but i i had that ready as a sequential art i had three short stories ready i had uh, 10 or 12 character designs along with like i had understood what model sheets are back then blockspot was really famous so i would go on blogspot and look at all these uh, pixar artists you know a- animation artists from different parts of the world and 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 then try and understand so i i picked up some of my terms from there but when i finally compiled all of it together and i showed it to uh, to shilpa ma'am i realized that more than the quality of the artwork itself the bigger contributing factor was that i had set everything up from scratch in those 2 months you know to match the portfolios of some of the other aspirants and that is how i kind of got into uh idc and their animation program boom he threw everything he had at the wall and something finally stuck and got into the animation course however even though he made it in he felt at a disadvantage as most other students came from some sort of art background and he always found himself banging his head against the wall trying to figure out how to complete the projects like obviously there is some bit of glamour attached to animation you know that you can make things move and all of that 
But when I actually got into the course, I realized that it's far too grilling. Like every frame had to be drawn. I I went there with the perception that, you know, I'll do some bits and the system is going to animate it for me to an extent. But the course in IDC wasn't that sort of course. Uh, they were more into the idea of traditional animation. And, and I love that. Uh, animation meant understanding, you know, the 12 principles, uh, drawing frame by frame, un understanding movement, all of that, and, and drawing them each frame. So this is 2008, and I, I sucked at it. Like, the first year, I, I, I told you, right, that I had such, I hated myself because I couldn't do any of the line tests well, any of the uh, exercises, and my my batch was full of rock stars. Like they would, when I would look at their work, I would constantly question myself. I was like, there is like, I can't make a career out of it. Once his second year came around, he was finally starting to figure things out. And they asked the students to create a short film. You get a four to five month period to make a short film. And this was the time and Chilpa happened to be my guide on the first film. And I constantly come, came up with ideas. And this was this film called The Candy Tree. I went through numerous iterations and every time I would go to Shilpa and I love her method of teaching because she never tell me what is right or what is wrong in the idea. She would understand, she would listen to it and then she would give me either a book or the name of an illustrator and it was an idea that I could explore, you know. And that made me explore and refine the idea and I finally came up with this idea that, you know, there is this kid and it was partly influenced by my um, my childhood as a kid. I struggled for the first month coming up with the story and then another almost a month coming up with my first animation itself. Like the first say 5 seconder or 10 seconder. And because it took one month and I, I just had another 2 or 3 months left with it. And I realized at this rate, like this film is meant to be like 6 minutes long. And at this rate, I wouldn't be able to finish the film. I was overworking. I was sleeping in the lab itself. I was desperate to kind of finish this film. Like there were so many rock stars that I was constantly under this pressure that, you know, my film will get lost if I don't make a, a good film or a, a film that can stand out. While creating a particular scene for the film, he had a moment that clicked for him. He had to act out the character running and, and pulling himself up onto a counter. And it was when he was acting out this motion and in real life had to pull his pants up, he realized that that was a part that needed to be added to the animation. And that's when it all finally came together and he realized the true power of animation and how that he could create these characters that could do anything you can imagine. Like, it was possibly the first piece of animation where... It was, it had a certain level of believability. Like my last one, maybe one year, two month struggle had finally produced something like this 10 seconder, which was worthwhile. And I burst into tears. And it was this bit, which was such a fulfilling experience that I think I decided to marry myself to the idea of animation itself. Once Somnat finished the program, he took a job working for an animation studio for Cartoon Network and would be part of various IPs for India. He never liked to put a label on himself, so he was trying out anything in the arts that he could. 
That's when he was asked by a friend to work on an independent live-action film titled Court. This film would go on to win many awards and was received very well. To this experience, Somnot started to view his work in animation in a different light, which would lead him down a path to create one of his most impressive and moving works to date. Uh, so then I started getting a lot of production design offers. But I wasn't married to the idea. So it, it was around that time, like when I was working on court, it was then that I realized that in, in, uh, in animation, we don't see spaces as characters enough. Or even if you do, it's, it's a very, a sort of a caricature of sorts. Um, uh, like, not to demean them, obviously. It's, it's just because animation is perceived to be a certain kind of medium which has to have a larger-than-life appeal. Uh, because of which they had to accentuate the character to the point where it becomes a little, uh, how do you put it? It's larger than what it actually is. There is no subtlety. So I wanted to explore that bit. And around that time, I was also trying to figure out uh, what I would call my voices. So I had been in the company of some brilliant, brilliant illustrators. Like I consider all of them my mentors. They all had a certain style of their own. Like you look at their artwork and you would know that this is an Abhishek Singh through and through or this is a Yatindra Shinde through and through. And I was dabbling with the idea of, you know, where would I be? What would I want to do? I was getting sensitized to my cultural context. So it made me look within where do I belong? What um, what is it that constitutes me? And in some ways, there is a bipolarity that existed, in, even in that interpretation. One interpretation was the narrative fiction way, which, which is my animation uh, way, where I was trying to get, uh, create content which is culturally sensitive, where I would look at um, moments which are mundane and document them through animation. During this time, Somnath's father would pass away. This moment would weigh heavy on him, and he was thrust into now having to perform these age-old rituals and social traditions that the son does after the father's passing. This process didn't give Somnath time to properly absorb the moment he was living and process his grief, and it left him feeling very numb. Like, death has been, is the, is the most dramatic event that you can imagine in narrative fiction, right? Like whenever a, whenever death happens, it's it's like things change dramatically, at least in most narrative fiction. So my experience was very, very mundane. Like, and especially in India, death is surrounded by so many rituals. And I'm not I'm not saying like each in each culture, death is surrounded by a lot of rituals. Because it's only in retrospect that death actually gets its meaning, you know? Till the person is alive, you don't, don't really contemplate his whole life and attach meaning to it. But the moment he passes away, it's a very natural phenomena to add meaning to his whole existence. And all these rituals are kind of, they, they are meant to do that. But from a first person point of view, you don't really want that, right? The only thing that you want is this moment of aloofness or this moment to just mourn, 
but you don't get that so the my whole experience was that i was totally numb throughout weirdly i don't remember that ritual part and at all now being an artist somnath knew he had to turn to his medium of animation to navigate these feelings so he created the short film death of a father when when i experienced that i was like why isn't that being explored as an idea in animation so in the film there are multiple uh moments and it's meant to be an experiential film you just stay there with the film nothing much happens but it's just that you you understand that how society is just apathetic to the idea of someone's loss it's like that loss is your own personal but the world moves on way faster than you would expect it and uh that's that's uh yeah the funny bit that i was trying to say was i don't remember the rituals what i do remember and it's haunting i i do remember clearly the last days of my father in the hospital and his struggle like me being there throughout uh running from home to the hospital staying there in the night getting stuff back from home doing stuff and i i have it as vivid as it was yesterday but the the rest of the part is just is has phased out through internal conflicts and past experiences some not no longer made work for it to be accepted by others but work that felt honest to how he felt when following that path he did find his style and that style stuck and still was able to connect to an audience no matter how bizarre he made it you can't sit around and force an idea on the paper it has to come from a place of honesty so i would advise you the listener and even myself to do what solnot did and throw as much against the wall as possible until you find what sticks and find the beauty in each of these failures because it's the journey that creates destination